Epistle 55 of Epistles of Cyprian by Cyprian, translated by Robert Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Epistle 55 to the people of Thyberis, exhorting to martyrdom. Argument. Cyprian, first of all, excuses himself to the Thybartans that he had not been to visit them, and gives them warning of the persecution at hand. He then furnishes inducements readily to undergo martyrdom. Hence are suggested illustrations of good men from the beginning of the world who have suffered martyrdom, especially that which surpasses all examples, the passion of our Lord. What an incitement is afforded to the endurance of martyrdom by the brave and ready enduring of the contests of the stadium in the theater. Finally, let the reward be considered, which now, moreover, animates and influences us to sustain everything. Cyprian to the people abiding at Thybaris. Greeting. I had indeed thought, beloved brethren, and prayerfully desired, if the state of things and the condition of the times permitted, in conformity with what you frequently desired, myself to come to you, and being present with you, then to strengthen the brotherhood with such moderate powers of exhortation as I possess. But since I am detained by such urgent affairs that I have not the power to travel far from this place, and to be long absent from the people over whom by divine mercy I am placed, I have written in the meantime this letter to be to you in my stead. For as, by the condensation of the Lord instructing me, I am very often instigated and warned, I ought to bring unto your conscience also the anxiety of my warning." For you ought to know, and to believe, and hold it for certain, that the day of affliction has begun to hang over our heads, and the end, o chasm, of the world, and the time of Antichrist to draw near, so that we must all stand prepared for the battle, nor consider anything but the glory of life eternal, and the crown of the confession of the Lord, and not regard those things which are coming as being such as were those which have passed away. A severer and a fiercer fight is now threatening, for which the soldiers of Christ ought to prepare themselves with uncorrupted faith and robust courage, considering that they drink the cup of Christ's blood daily, for the reason that they themselves also may be able to shed their blood for Christ. For this is to wish to be found with Christ, to imitate that which Christ both taught and did, according to the Apostle John, who said, quote, he that saith he abideth in Christ ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. End quote. Moreover, the blessed apostle Paul exhorts and teaches, saying, quote, We are God's children, but if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. End quote. Which things must all now be considered by us, that no one may desire anything from the world that is now dying, but may follow Christ, who both lives forever, and quickens his servants, who are established in the faith of his name. For there comes the time, beloved brethren, which our Lord long ago foretold and taught us was approaching, saying, quote, The time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service, and these things they will do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them." End quote. 
nor let anyone wonder that we are harassed with constant persecutions and continually tried with increasing afflictions when the Lord before predicted that these things would happen in the last times and has instructed us for the warfare by the teaching and exhortation of his words. Peter also, his apostle, has taught that persecutions occur for the sake of our being proved, and that we also should, by the example of righteous men who have gone before us, be joined to the love of God by death and sufferings. For he wrote in his epistle and said, quote, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, nor do ye fall away, as if some new thing happened unto you. But as often as ye partake in Christ's sufferings, rejoice in all things, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached in the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the name of the majesty and power of the Lord resteth on you, which indeed on their part is blasphemed, but on our part is glorified. End quote. Now the apostles taught us those things which they themselves also learnt from the Lord's precepts and the heavenly commands, the Lord himself thus strengthening us, and saying, quote, there is no man that hath left house, or land, or parents, or brethren, or sisters, or wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive sevenfold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. End quote. And again he says, quote, Blessed are ye, when men shall hate you, and shall separate you from their company, and shall cast you out, and shall reproach your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. End quote. The Lord desired that we should rejoice and leap for joy in persecutions, because, when persecutions occur, then are given the crowns of faith, then the soldiers of God are proved, then the heavens are opened to martyrs. For we have not in such a way given our name to warfare that we ought only to think about peace and draw back from and refuse war, when in this very warfare the Lord walked first, the teacher of humility and endurance and suffering, so that what he taught to be done, he first of all did, and what he exhorts to suffer, he himself first suffered for us. Let it be before your eyes, beloved brethren, that he who alone received all judgment from the Father, and who will come to judge, has already declared the decree of his judgment and of his future recognition, foretelling and testifying that he will confess those before his Father who confess him, and will deny those who deny him. If we could escape death, we might reasonably fear to die. But since, on the other hand, it is necessary that a mortal man should die, we should embrace the occasion that comes by divine promise and condensation, and accomplish the ending provided by death with the reward of immortality, nor fear to be slain, since we are sure when we are slain to be crowned. Nor let any one, beloved brethren, when he beholds our people driven away and scattered by the fear of persecution, be disturbed at not seeing the brotherhood gathered together nor hearing the bishops discoursing. All are not able to be there together, who may not kill, but who must be killed. Wherever, in those days, each one of the brethren shall be separated from the flock for a time, by the necessity of the season, in body, not in spirit, let him not be moved at the terror of that flight, nor, if he withdraw and be concealed, let him be alarmed at the solitude of the desert place. He is not alone, whose companion in flight Christ is. 
He is not alone who, keeping God's temple wheresoever he is, is not without God. And if a robber should fall upon you, a fugitive in the solitude or in the mountains, if a wild beast should attack you, if hunger or thirst or cold should distress you, or the tempest and the storm should overwhelm you, hastening in a rapid voyage over the seas, Christ everywhere looks upon his soldier fighting, and for the sake of persecution, for the honor of his name, gives a reward to him when he dies, as he has promised that he will give in the resurrection. Nor is the glory of martyrdom less that he has not perished publicly and before many, since the cause of perishing is to perish for Christ. That witness who proves martyrs and crowns them suffices for a testimony of his martyrdom. Let us, beloved brethren, imitate righteous Abel, who initiated martyrdoms, he first being slain for righteousness' sake. Let us imitate Abraham, the friend of God, who did not delay to offer his son as a victim with his own hands, obeying God with a faith of devotion. Let us imitate the three children, Ananias, Azarias, and Misael, who, neither frightened by their youthful age nor broken down by captivity, Judea being conquered and Jerusalem taken, overcame the king by the power of faith in his own kingdom, who, when bidden to worship the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had made, stood forth stronger both than the king's threats and the flames, calling out and attesting their faith by these words, quote, O king Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, for the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hands, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee that we do not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. End quote. They believed that they might escape according to their faith, but they added, and if not, that the king might know that they could also die for the god they worshipped. For this is the strength of courage and of faith, to believe and to know that God can deliver from present death, and yet not to fear death nor to give way, that faith may be the more mightily proved. The uncorrupted and unconquered might of the Holy Spirit broke forth by their mouth, so that the words which the Lord in his gospel spoke are seen to be true. Quote, but when they shall seize you, take no thought what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. End quote. He said that what we are able to speak and to answer is given to us in that hour from heaven and supplied, and that it is not then we who speak, but the Spirit of God our Father, who, as he does not depart nor is separated from those who confess him, himself both speaks and is crowned in us. So Daniel too, when he was required to worship the idol Bel, which the people and the king then worshipped, in asserting the honor of his God, broke forth with full faith and freedom, saying, quote, I worship nothing but the Lord my God, who created the heaven and the earth. End quote. What shall we say of the cruel tortures of the blessed martyrs in the Maccabees, and the multiform sufferings of the seven brethren, and the mother comforting her children in their agonies, and herself dying also with her children? Do not they witness the proofs of great courage and faith, and exhort us by their sufferings to the triumphs of martyrdom? What of the prophets whom the Holy Spirit quickened to the foreknowledge of future events? What of the apostles whom the Lord chose? Since these righteous men were slain for righteousness' sake, have they not taught us also to die? 
the nativity of Christ witnessed at once the martyrdom of infants, so that they who were two years old and under were slain for his name's sake. An age not yet fitted for the battle appeared fit for the crown, that it might be manifest that they who are slain for Christ's sake are innocent. Innocent infancy was put to death for his name's sake. It is shown that none is free from the peril of persecution when even these accomplished martyrdoms. But how grave is the case of a Christian man if he, a servant, is unwilling to suffer when his master first suffered, and that we should be unwilling to suffer for our own sins when he, who had no sin, of his own, suffered for us. The Son of God suffered that he might make us sons of God, and the Son of Man will not suffer that he may continue to be a son of God. If we suffer from the world's hatred, Christ first endured the world's hatred. If we suffer reproaches in this world, if exile, if tortures, the Maker and Lord of the world experienced harder things than these. And he also warns us, saying, quote, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me before you. If ye were of the world, the world would love its own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. End quote. Whatever our Lord and God taught, he also did, that the disciple might not be excused if he learns and does not. Nor let any one of you, beloved brethren, be so terrified by the fear of future persecutions or the coming of the threatening Antichrist as not to be found armed for all things by the evangelical exhortations and precepts and by the heavenly warnings. Antichrist is coming, but above him comes Christ also. The enemy goeth about and rageth, but immediately the Lord follows to avenge our sufferings and our wounds. The adversary is enraged and threatens, but there is one who can deliver us from his hands. He is to be feared, whose anger no one can escape, as he himself forewarns us and says, quote, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. End quote. And again, quote, He that loveth his life shall lose it and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life." End quote. And in the Apocalypse, he instructs and forewarns, saying, quote, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same also shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, mixed in the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torments shall ascend up for ever and ever, and they shall have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image." End quote. For the secular contest, men are trained and prepared, and reckon it a great glory of their honor if it should happen to them to be crowned in the sight of the people and in the presence of the emperor. Behold, a lofty and great contest, glorious also with the reward of a heavenly crown, inasmuch as God looks upon us as we struggle, and extending his view over those whom he has condescended to make his sons, he enjoys the spectacle of our contest. God looks upon us in the warfare, and fighting in the encounter of faith. His angels look on us, and Christ looks on us. How great is the dignity, and how great the happiness of the glory, to engage in the presence of God, and to be crowned with Christ for a judge. 
Let us be armed, beloved brethren, with our whole strength, and let us be prepared for the struggle with an uncorrupted mind, with a sound faith, with a devoted courage. Let the camp of God go forth to the battlefield which is appointed to us. Let the sound ones be armed, lest he that is sound should lose the advantage of having lately stood. Let the lapsed also be armed, that even the lapsed may regain what he has lost. Let honor provoke the whole, let sorrow provoke the lapsed to battle. The Apostle Paul teaches us to be armed and prepared, saying, quote, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and the princes of this world, and of this darkness, against spirits of wickedness in high places. Wherefore, put on the whole armor, that ye may be able to withstand in the most evil day, that when ye have done all ye may stand, having your loins girt about with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. End quote. Let us take these arms, let us fortify ourselves with these spiritual and heavenly safeguards, that in the most evil day we may be able to withstand and to resist the threats of the devil. Let us put on the breastplate of righteousness, that our breast may be fortified and safe against the darts of the enemy. Let our feet be shod with evangelical teaching, and armed, so that when the serpent shall begin to be trodden and crushed by us, he may not be able to bite and trip us up. Let us bravely bear the shield of faith, by the protection of which, whatever the enemy darts at us, may be extinguished. Let us take also for protection of our head the helmet of salvation, that our ears may be guarded from hearing the deadly edicts, that our eyes may be fortified, that they may not see the odious images, that our brow may be fortified, so as to keep safe the sign of God, that our mouth may be fortified, that the conquering tongue may confess Christ its Lord. Let us also arm the right hand with the sword of the Spirit, that it may bravely reject the deadly sacrifices, that, mindful of the Eucharist, the hand which has received the Lord's body may embrace the Lord himself, hereafter to receive from the Lord the reward of heavenly crowns. Oh, what and how great will that day be at its coming, beloved brethren, when the Lord shall begin to count up his people and to recognize the deservings of each one by the inspection of his divine knowledge, to send the guilty to Gehenna and to set on fire our persecutors with the perpetual burning of a penal fire, but to pay to us the reward of our faith and devotion. What will be the glory and how great the joy to be admitted to see God, to be honored to receive with Christ, thy Lord God, the joy of eternal salvation and light, to greet Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the patriarchs and prophets and apostles and martyrs, to rejoice with the righteous and the friends of God in the kingdom of heaven with the pleasure of immortality given to us, to receive there what neither eye hath seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man. For the apostle announces that we shall receive greater things than anything that we here either do or suffer, saying, quote, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to come hereafter, which shall be revealed in us. End quote. When that revelation shall come, when that glory of God shall shine upon us, we shall be as happy and joyful, honored with the condensation of God, as they will remain guilty and wretched, 
who, either as deserters from God or rebels against him, have done the will of the devil, so that it is necessary for them to be tormented with the devil himself in unquenchable fire. Let these things, beloved brethren, take hold of our hearts. Let this be the preparation of our arms, this our daily and nightly meditation, to have before our eyes and ever to revolve in our thoughts and feelings the punishments of the wicked and the rewards and the deservings of the righteous. What the Lord threatens by way of punishment against those that deny him, what, on the other hand, he promises by way of glory to those that confess him. If, while we think and meditate on these things, there should come to us a day of persecution, the soldier of Christ instructed in his precepts and warnings is not fearful for the battle, but is prepared for the crown. I bid you, dearest brethren, ever heartily farewell. End of Epistle 55 Read by David Ronald